friends! Welcome to episode 81 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Uh, I'll ask you tonight, since you do it all the time to me. How are you? I am... Uh, I'm, I'm waging a war. There are two wolves inside of me. One is getting depressed because it is dark by 4.30. One, uh-huh. of, one is very excited to have my game uh, yes. finally uh, this coming up this weekend. You do. You do. So um, it's a bit of a struggle, but I'm keeping my head up and I'm keeping my enthusiasm going. And uh, we're going to see about maybe getting one of those sun lamps or something like that. I think it's a great way to go. I think a lot of people use them. I know a few uh, a few of the listeners who are friends of ours uh, do use them as well mm-hmm. uh, and find a lot of value in using them. Yeah, so. yeah. But uh, but no, I, I'm I'm very excited about my game coming up. Um, I I've spoken before on the on the, the podcast here about uh, Foundry VTT, mm-hmm, which um, I use as well. The uh, so we I've now played in two games of Foundry VTT. Your game was last weekend. Yep. Um, My first I, run. <laughs> yeah, your first run for Foundry, yeah. uh, and I think it went exceptionally well. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, Sean also ran his game uh, for who's running the uh, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist module. Yes, yes. Using that, and uh, it was really really cool. There, mm-hmm. um, he had stuff some stuff that he wasn't quite prepared for, but uh, it was easy enough in Foundry for him to just pull it in, mm-hmm. and we only needed like a five minute break basically for him to get everything up and running for a completely new scene, which is nice. So yeah, it was really really good. Um, I've also been playing a little around a little bit more with uh, Dungeon Fog mm-hmm. yeah, for making maps. Yep, and uh, that's going exceptionally well. Um, you can really make some awesome maps for that. So if you are out there, uh, especially with the uh, quarantine lockdowns coming back, yes, as uh, things get a little bit worse, I, I very primarily hope you are all safe and healthy. But uh, if you're trying to play a little bit of D and D in the meantime, which um, I highly recommend, highly recommend Foundry VTT. Yes, um, yeah, that. we stay connected. I think that's one of the best things we can do right now. Mm-hmm. Is that amidst amid all of this, we we've got to try and stay connected and try and keep some level of normality. Yeah, and this is a way that we can do it. It pushes us forward. We have the technology. We can make it better, stronger, less stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and. I I feel that we've got potential there to to be able to keep that connection, keep that part of us moving forward and finding different challenges, finding us distractions, but also other ways to challenge our mind and, and step away from the stress of the moment. Yeah, yeah. To 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 roll our own survival skills, if you will. <laughs> so, uh, on a side note, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything for Fifth Edition came yes. out uh, yesterday. And you gave it a pretty hard look. Uh, I, I gave it a bit of a look. Um, I wouldn't say I gave it a hard look, but uh, not not definitely not as deep as uh, you know some of the other deep dives I've seen out there. Um, maybe I'm, I'm remiss in you know having a podcast and not doing a full review on it. But um, so far, what I've what I've seen, I've really liked. Uh, there's some interesting things in there. People who've been anxiously awaiting the arrival of psionics. There yeah. are psionic subclasses. I've in always there. had like mixed feelings about psionics and D and D as a whole. You know, I think the way that they implemented them were pretty works pretty well because they lean on existing mechanics, which is always right that are just flavored to psionics. Right. Um. Right. So instead of just being an overpowered wizard that has no downsides for casting anything, right. Whenever you want, um, they're psionic subclasses for each one of the uh the, the classes. Okay. And uh, basically, the um, like the psionic warrior uh, one—I uh, don't remember what the proper name for it is—but the psyblade, I think it's called. Um, basically, just is kind of a, a mix between the eldritch knight and the battlemaster. Okay, it just kind of turns you into a Jedi. Yeah. Uh, so you can do things like force pushing people and deflecting things, and yeah. really anything you can think of that a Jedi can do, you can do with a side yeah. Blade. I caught up the uh, um, not that I have any rogues right now in fifth edition, but I saw the uh, the rogue that basically had like a second necrotic strike. So basically, if you crit somebody, mm-hmm. you can you can effectively within thirty feet affect another person and have necrotic damage happen oh, to them. Wow! You get half your dice of of um, 
uh, damage, uh-huh. half your crit, uh, your uh, sneak attack damage huh. against the target. So all I can think of is it's like the it's the vision, the vision of you seeing like one of your friends get gutted and you feel it and you're like, ooh, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's it. Sounds, hurt, it sounds like a psychic echo of it, kind yeah, that's, of, that's... kind of. But they're calling it necrotic. You know, they're they're flavoring it as necrotic damage, which sure, is sure, sure. really interesting as well. So. That's really cool. It's real cool. So, um, yeah, if you, if you haven't given a look, uh, just give, give it a look. Uh, if you're deep into uh, D&D 5th edition, um, I highly suggest it. It seems like a really good supplement that gives a lot of cool options for uh, for your for your games. Uh, another thing that I did note, I got in an email today, is uh, D&D Beyond did something, and they did it the right time. Okay. You can now gift books and oh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you didn't see it in an email that you got um, and you know uh, you've got friends who are doing D&D, but mm-hmm. maybe they're a little tight on funds or it's your storyteller that you're working with mm-hmm. and you guys want to add a book to something and you're okay on cash, but they're not, you can now do gifting through D&D Beyond. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing that they added. They added it at the right time. It's before Thanksgiving and you know there's going to be things coming up and you've got family members who are looking for extra gifts and things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the next thing that they're missing is the wish list you know yeah yeah <laughs> but uh keep that in mind uh if you've got friends family um new people coming into the game mm-hmm. um gifting is a great idea and uh i'm glad that they opened that up because that makes a huge that opens up that thing that i think everybody was missing with D beyond which is how do i support my storyteller oh yeah how do yeah. i support my game yeah absolutely. you know without buying it myself and now everybody's using my account you know <laughs> Right. So right. I, I like that idea. So, all right. You wanna you wanna get into this topic? Cause we we actually yeah. kind of need to roll up our sleeves on this one. A little um. Bit. Yeah. I think when we first stepped into this topic of puzzles in general, mm-hmm. um, because we were breaking down the mini series, and I I think I brought up puzzles. And then compared it to something else, which will I think is another show still coming up. And you were like, "Aren't those the same thing?" I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Puzzles are very different, mm-hmm. and I, and and they sit in a different place because it's a very big discussion." And we left it at that. And then we got into it this last five or six days. Yeah, and we cracked an egg. We really did. Um, and I again, I will say there are always things that we do naturally. Mm-hmm. But I will say there's a lot of things when I look at puzzles that I was not doing right when I looked at the when I looked back over all of this. Yeah. And yeah. It, it brought back up a lot of old discussions that we had about uh, the player versus the character. Mm-hmm. And I think puzzles opens up that whole gambit there as well, but also sits in an interesting place regardless of or, or regarding what type of game you're playing. Yeah. So I think. You know, we've got a lot to cover, and so this may run more than an hour today, folks. Um, we, we, we kind of, I think in our grouping of discussions that we've had, we've had several hours of discussions about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, easily. I mean, yeah. what, what we were just we were just putting the show sheet together, and we talked for two, three hours or something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. it was... Pretty consistently through the whole thing. So mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're going to try and condense this down a little bit, uh, pull out some of the stuff that we, we gab back and forth, but also really dig into some of the more important stuff. Oh, you know, I just realized so. I forgot to bring over those riddle books that I that I. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, well, I've got one of the links I can th- we can throw up in Instagram so they can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. So when we're talking again, we're gonna we're, we're starting a mini series. We're we're coming back to our mini series. When we're talking about an encounter, we're talking about a scene, something with a goal attached to it, um, a specific challenge the players have to overcome. So we're wrapping it in a specific scene, and an encounter again can be anything we're just subsetting these to make some things easier for everyone um and again an encounter always should have three very important components to it stakes options and triggers Mm -hmm. and those you know stakes don't have to be light and life and death but they do have some things there has to be a reason why both sides are there and in this case both sides in the case of a puzzle may not be everybody Mm -hmm. you know although sphinxes are technically part of a riddle we'll get to those um (laughs) Options have to be available to the players. They yes. have to be able to do things. And triggers are what happens next. What what does this trigger within the story? Yep. So So puzzles. Yes. Why do we why do we even use them? Uh, see, I and I was joking with Sean on the way out the door uh to come over here today because uh, I, I told him I had to go recant my testimony. <laughs> Because okay. I, I may have gone on record in a previous episode of our podcast mm-hmm. as saying that puzzles are dumb and you shouldn't use them. And uh, you're kind of a person who did that. I may have used a puzzle 
in very my very recent. next game. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> After I said that on the podcast. And, and you really did a good job of a previous puzzle before, and we'll get to that, but yeah, okay. yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it was yeah. really well done, so... Um, so puzzles, uh, what, what are they? Um, we're talking anything that, that, that comprises like a riddle, um, uh, a elaborate trap that requires you to, you know, examine things, figure things out, and um, put your mind to solving it. Like, uh, you know, walking across a room, but you can only touch the correct tiles or yeah. spikes shoot out or something like that. And it can be or... as simple as, uh, like, is, is, is inobvious. Uh, of a of calling it a puzzle as maybe it's a creature that can only be defeated a specific way Mm -hmm. um this is common in video games uh, where it's a pattern where you have to do something you know shoot it in the head so it stuns it and at that point it does something weird and opens up a part of it that you can now see Mm -hmm. or maybe you have to break open its chest to expose something you know and now it can you can actually take damage before it repairs those things i mean to a degree kind of a troll is a bit of a puzzle if you don't understand how trolls regenerate yeah yeah i mean so i i wouldn't say they're a puzzle encounter but they have puzzle like elements exactly to them in that there's an easy way to do thing and a hard way to do thing yeah and if you deduce what the easy thing way to do it is yeah. it 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 unlocks the, the encounter for you yeah the real question is is where do these fit and that's and that's really where my initial like puzzles are dumb your disdain <laughs> my disdain for puzzles go because i i mean you you know i have a i have a a bent towards realism in my you very games. much do um, you very do. not so much gritty realism just realism just just realism i i don't i don't like things that seem fantastical and i don't like the reason for things being in my world to be just because yeah oh there's a sixth level dungeon why, why? who built it yeah what, you know, what's the purpose what, of this what thing? actually was it Right. You know, in the thousand years before, and mm-hmm. why is there all this stuff in there? Yeah. Who's Who, this dude? Why does he have 40 skeleton guards that seem unending, you know? Right, and why is there treasure still in the bottom of it? Mm-hmm. You're telling me a thousand years gone by and you're the first people to go in there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, stuff for me needs to make a little more sense than that. And for me, like, when I think, like, puzzles, puzzles are typically put in as security systems. Yeah. They're put in to stop you from getting to the treasure. But what a puzzle says to me is, I'm okay with people stealing my crap as long as they can solve this riddle. Right. <laughs> like, but but why? Like, I understand. Why? Just like, put a big lock on right. it. Right. Again, coming back to your realism, if there is a master thief, maybe he's getting exceptionally old, he's very rich, and he's just like, everybody's going to come after my cloak. Mm-hmm. It was special. They think it has some kind of special ability to it. And he hides it. Mm-hmm. But he wants someone to have it, clearly. He wants that mantle to be passed on, but he needs it to be passed on to the right person. And he needs to make sure that person's worthy, They're... and a worthy enough person would be able to solve his puzzles. Right, and so in his mansion hides this thieves' mm-hmm. riddle, you know, and that's what carries through. That's a realistic reason for doing something like that in story. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can insert riddles into stories where they fit um we were talking with sean actually and he brought up where um in a uh, npc's space mm-hmm. that they were going to examine there was a uh, hidden room and the way to access it was via effectively a, a puzzle lock mm-hmm. to a degree and it was because he was a a patron saint of balance and order, effectively. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't part of the plot, but it was within a plot space. Sure. And it was still a little bit of a riddle, a little mm-hmm. bit of a puzzle. And, uh, you know, he, he cracked it pretty quickly. And now they had extra loot. Great. Yeah. That That's a, a great add-on. Um, and, you know, so there's all kinds of places where you can put these things. We're not going to... We could delve in for hours. Yeah. About how that works. I mean, um, I, I think my initial rant, though, ignored one very key counter-argument mm-hmm. um, that I, I need to just cop to because it's it's an absolutely valid counter-argument to my whole puzzles are unrealistic, is, and that is puzzles are fun. Yeah. They, well, they can very much be fun or they can be exceptionally annoying. They, they can be annoying, but, but if done right, puzzles can be very fun. They're a great break from your typical social combat, social combat, you know, uh, sway and you know ebb and yes. flow um and honestly you know sometimes who care who cares if they fit just throw one in there they're they're fun they're yeah. really fun i mean side questy types of things are are a good reason to fit it in there mm-hmm. or or add it to a dungeon yeah that they're already going into mm-hmm. why not why so not? so 
it, it comes down to puzzle design, I think, is because because there's a, there's a lot of great ways you can do puzzles and there's a lot of bad ways you can do puzzles. Um, and so we were uh, doing a little bit of research before uh, for, for for tonight's episode, and mm-hmm. we came across a uh, a website. It was uh, the Arcane Eye, which I've been to before, but it's been a long time. Um, like I I I remember it from mm-hmm. a while back, and they've done quite a bit. But I think I, I agree. I think their three rules of design kind of encompassed a lot of what people had said. Yeah. Um, and made it very simple. Um. And it's it's something to think about, and threes are always a good way to remember um, anything. So if you're going to be building a puzzle, you want to make it follow these three rules, and we'll talk about them with each one of them. Mm-hmm. One, thou shalt <laughs> make puzzles obvious. Mm-hmm. So just keep it, keep the answer obvious. That's it's not the first thing you think of when you're going to do a puzzle or a riddle or something. But if it's not obvious to more than just you, then it's not going to be a good puzzle at all yeah yeah um thou shalt create alternatives to thy puzzle aka your answer may not be the only answer and probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. you should be able to have an alternative solution or allow for alternative solutions if your players have been hammering at a problem for an hour and they seem to be getting frustrated with it if they've done well enough maybe that's all it should take mm-hmm you know, to move this story on versus having them get super frustrated with it and now they don't want to deal with it anymore. That's what we call the Lego solution, and we'll get to that. Yep. And then finally, thou shalt not make puzzles reliant on rolls. And that is a big one. Yes. I've seen so many, like, modules and stuff of that written up that are like, if they do a uh, DC-20 investigation check, they'll find the secret lover. Like, no. Mm, guys. Guys, the ceiling is caving in. There are spikes involved. Everyone's going to die. Nope. Don't, don't don't give them five rolls to hit a DC-20. That's... Yep, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and or, you know, uh, the age-old scene of, you know, the players are all stuffed in a trash compactor and only one player is outside of it trying to hack it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just has had bad rolls all day, so they all die. Yep. That's terrible. That is, that, that is horrible storytelling. That's terrible. That's and, and you've got four players who feel powerless while the fifth one is outside doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so yeah, if it at all humanly possible, do not make them. No, that's not to say don't involve roles. Correct. Do not make them reliant yes. on roles. Um, and so with those in mind, um, there's a few other things uh, that you really do want to keep in mind when you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, mixing. And that is, is where you may, you're, you're probably going to have combat type players and talkie type players and lore type players. Mm-hmm. Maybe all your players are lore type players and not really talking, you know, combat things. Know your party enough to mix it up. You may need to alter your puzzle a little bit to include everyone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Maybe your original puzzle involved uh, trying to unlock using a a slide system. And they had to figure out this slide system based upon some lore that they, that they, lore roles they were going to do. And so it was a little bit of trial and error. What's the fighter going to do through that whole thing? As he Mm -hmm. has no lore skill and his intelligence is almost nil. Maybe there's other people trying to stop you with blow darts or, you know, maybe there's something else in the room that gets unlocked during, you know, uh, mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. make it an acceptable thing for them to be able to do. Yep. But not so much a distraction that it becomes its own separate part, you know, um, the things that I think you run into with that, which you brought up, was the muddling of timing. Yeah, does because uh, I've I, we've we've seen some other things that were like you know, oh, if they fail to solve the puzzle and they put in the incorrect uh, you know the, the incorrect uh, solution, monsters pop out. Mm-hmm. And to me, like I don't think that's a great solution because um, you you tend to have a a shift then, like if you're especially in D anD D, you've got like combat takes some setup. Um, so if you're playing in person, maybe you're pulling out miniatures, maybe you're pulling out terrain, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, maybe you already have it, 
But if you've already put that stuff out on the table, then you've already mm-hmm. got a, an ex- expectation that there's going to be combat. Right. Kind of spoils the surprise. Um, and then there's a there's a, a, a tonal shift between the combat. You go into initiative order and then back out to, okay, now solve a puzzle. Right. I, I think you can do certain aspects of that together. Um and you can do some alterations with your combat and mm-hmm. your timing on things to make things easier. For instance, uh, one of the things that I was reading about where maybe either the monsters are not that hard. So it's it's just a matter of making sure that it, it's more of a duel rather than combat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your uh, fighter is either just doing strength tests because he's trying to hold things back or do general fighting. And the, my mind goes to stuff like uh, the movie like The Mummy where you've got the fighter-type character who's taking care of multiple easily defeated creatures, but there's a lot of it, you know, that he's working on, while the talkies are running away from them and communicating with each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that you want to have. You want to have excitement. Yeah. You want to feel a little bit of intensity, but this shouldn't be combat as it is known. Exactly. Unless I, that is part of the puzzle. Right. And I, I think that's the that's the big takeaway is that you if you're gonna if you're gonna include combat, make it part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Don't do an A then B then back to A shift. Right. Live. Just do A and B at the same time. Yeah. And we're gonna solve this puzzle under pressure, you know. But right. but even include but and also don't make the monsters just a punishment for a wrong answer. You know, make right. them part of the puzzle. Right. You know? And be mindful of timing. Um, if timing is acting differently, mm-hmm. let your players know if they, if every six seconds, it's six seconds. That's great. Um, but be mindful that your timing shouldn't create a un, uh, a, a out of game expect expectancy of timing. Meaning, uh, one of the things that they were talking, that one group talked about that we both agreed was very stressful mm-hmm. was the concept of setting a physical timer out of game. Yeah, You know, the yeah. players have a specific amount of time they've got to go to figure out an answer before something else comes into the room. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We're playing a game. We're not working. We're not actually dismantling a bomb. Right, right, you know, right. Again, maybe your players really love that. But I'm sorry. Dread is enough of a problem for me trying to pull a Jenga block when I want to pull the Jenga block. <laughs> Versus someone telling me you got 30 seconds to pull yeah. the jungle block before I knock the tower down. You're like, no, no, no. That's like, what, what the hell, dude? Right. I'm trying right. to play a game here. Yeah. You know? So. So it might, maybe, maybe for your group, but yeah. just keep keep in mind some of your players, myself, Rob included, and I can think of at least two more players that sit at our table would easily hate that because it would just stress them out. And we don't need that right now. Yeah. Nobody, no, nobody, nobody needs, needs that. Nobody needs extra stress. Nobody needs that. So let's get into some examples just to kind of help flush some of these answers out. Um, and again, these are things that we found and that we discussed mm-hmm. um, because we wanted to uh, give you guys uh, a generality and some ideas to play with. Yep. Um, go ahead. Grab so, one. so the first up is what uh, what I like to call the uh, uh, the Lego uh, the Lego type puzzle. Okay. Okay, and that's the puzzle without a solution. Yes. Contrary to popular belief, you do not have to have a solvable puzzle. You don't have to have a puzzle that has a set solution mm-hmm. that you have to wait for your characters to come up with. Right. Um, one suggestion I've seen over and over, I've never employed it myself, okay. but I love it. All right. And I may I may at some point in the future, is you give your players a bunch of puzzle pieces mm-hmm. um, of, you know, uh, there are multicolored crystals and some, you know, uh, there are five slots in the wall. Right. And there are glyphs, you know, are there pictograms on the wall showing uh, a herd of rat people that are attacking a human settlement? I don't know. Whatever. I'm just making this up off the top of my head. That's what you give your players. What's the solution to the puzzle? Well, do the crystals fit in the holes? Yes. Okay, what colors are there? There's red, blue, yellow, green, and purple. Okay, uh, well, let's see here. What do we know about the rat people? The rat people are night people. Maybe purple represents night. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to put them in or in a specific order. Maybe it's the sh- you know the, 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 the phases of the sun. Sure. Well, the rat people are on the left and the humans are on the right. So maybe, you know, we have some combination. Okay, so we put in purple, blue, red, orange, yellow. So it looks like a sunrise. Sure, it works. Door opens. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the correct solution? I don't know, but it sounded cool. Yeah. What what they told me made sense, and they had fun coming up with it, so it works. Yeah. Or 
you say no because they're literally trying something random and they, they really haven't come up with anything. Hey, let's just try something. Right. And and it doesn't work. And Okay, well, what happens? Nothing. They, when, they, when they start seeing a pattern and when they think they have a solution, it's the solution. Which is where my first idea comes into, which is player-made puzzles. Mm-hmm. This is where you've, you've got a predefined room. Like, maybe you've got ruins before your big bad boss. And you wanted to show off some statues, some fallen statues, and, like, a, a shrine in the middle with a lady whose head's missing. And she's holding something, but it's fallen out of her hand and it's on the ground. Otherwise known as, oops, this is a puzzle now. And suddenly your players go, oh my god, she's missing out of her hand. I bet if we put it back in her hand... It'll unlock, you know, this. And like, okay, well, what was she missing? Oh, well, okay, this is the temple of so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. Okay, uh, so uh, we need to craft a staff. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, but, you know, it, does it look like light shines through? And that's when you go, yes, at the top of the dome, there's an opening. Okay, well, what time of day is it? It's just before noon. Shoot, we've only got a little bit amount of time. Okay, they've only got a little bit of yep, time. You, you do now. <laughs> yeah. This is great. And, and they <laughs> literally just keep rolling with it. Now, you had planned fully that they would literally walk past all of this debris, open a door, monster would come through, and this would be the fighting area. And now, this is how the door opens. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they've created a way to open the door, and you're just rolling with it. And at the end, they're like, man, that was such a cool puzzle. The rule to this is don't tell them. Mm-hmm. Just go with it. Because you made a story happen with them. I, I read something earlier today that kind of fits into this. That was a solution for removing overpowered magic items from the game. Mm-hmm. Is uh, if you're going to have like a, a key and lock situation, have the overpowered magical item be mm-hmm. the key to the lock. And it stays. And it stays. Yeah, it locks it in, into position. Mm-hmm. There was uh, another one that got me on that, and uh, that I, I probably was the same sadistic person who suggested that. Uh, was I thought that sadistic. I thought that was kind of ingenious. Well, I'll explain why. Okay. Uh, was that uh, one of the players, they came up to a lock, and they saw that it was a trapped lock. Uh-huh. And the rogue was just like, it's a trapped lock. Okay. You know, you know, yeah, there's a trap there. And he's just like, what does it look like? It looks like you have to insert something in. And uh, it, it'll close around your hand. Oh, no. One of us is going to get trapped here. And then the fighter literally said, no, just one of us is going to lose a hand. <laughs> so, sadistically, uh, one of the players basically was like, okay, well, I'll do it with my left hand because I use my right hand for everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, we'll figure it out. And so the DM basically, uh, they put their hand in, nothing happened. And so they had to put in a magic item to do it. And so they gave up this other magic item that they had that they weren't going to need anymore, this rod or whatever. And it clamped around the person's hand and left a shackle that couldn't be removed. Okay. Wouldn't let it heal. Oh, no. So they lost their hand. Oh, no. Until they could find the person who made the lock. Oh, no. That's sadistic. That is. But at the same time... It allowed them to figure out what was really going on there. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of plot that got thrown into it. Yeah. But what was funny was the the DM didn't come up with that initially. One mm-hmm. of the players said that it's going to lock around their hand and they're not going to be able to regen it. And he's like, that's a great idea that they said. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> it. that's the solution to the puzzle now. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, listen to your players. If they start thinking something's a puzzle, maybe lean into it and, and let it be a puzzle. If you can think on your feet enough to make it make sense, then, yeah, then by all means it. do it. Um, so you've got your, your kind of rawest, uh, uh, form of puzzle was one that I, I think you and I had a big argument about, uh, was the trial and error puzzle. And I think that one goes from simple trial and error, which is where, where they're literally walking across a room with, you know, marks in the floor and they're just guessing Mm -hmm. which ones they've got to walk on. Yeah. Or, or throwing something out there to see. And if I, they can make it across. I think tri- trial and error is probably your least rewarding because it doesn't take any intellect. It's just kind of, you're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what's, what sticks. Yeah, and see if and, it's cooked. Yeah, and you don't feel good when you've when you've completed it. You feel relieved when you're done with it. Right. But you don't feel good. You don't feel like you've accomplished anything, you know? Yeah. So I would say try try to try to avoid a trial and error puzzle. Um, now, task and error is kind of the converse to that. Yes. Um, so we we were talking about, um, if you've seen the movie Goonies, mm-hmm. okay, uh, if you haven't, um, it's uh, kind of a 
classic um, 80s movie about uh, uh, a bunch of teenagers who discover a pirate puzzle or pirate uh, treasure map Mm -hmm. and decide that they're going to go try to find this pirate treasure. um, As their last adventure. Along the way, the pirates who buried this treasure have created a bunch of puzzles in a dungeon-like experience. Yep. Uh, that are all very real. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, they're all real traps. Like, they're in actual peril. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the traps is a pipe organ. Yes. Um, the pipe organ has some uh, some music out on it. And uh, what you what you have to do is you have to play the correct notes on the pipe organ. Um, if you do, the door opens. Right. Every wrong note drops out a chunk of the floor, revealing a, pi- uh, a spiked pit trap underneath several several dozen feet down yes yeah uh and so the scene eventually evolves where one one of the characters says well i I used to play piano like years ago i i think maybe i still have it um and she has to play but i'm the only person here who really even knows a little bit of piano so she has to kind of courage herself through it um so in D &D terms we're going to be making performance checks Mm -hmm. uh say maybe five of them Yep, and for every failed check, everyone going, has to make a, a reaction section save. of the floor is going to drop out. Yes, yeah, they'd make reaction saves, and in the cases of where they're failing, they may you you're not going to have a direct consequence of them falling, mm-hmm. but they may hit the keyboard, they may knock another person, they may lose something. Mm-hmm. So there's always a consequence. Yep, um, you know, don't make first failure death. Yeah, yeah, I would say for. First failure might even just be we're going to show you that there is a pit trap. Correct. Nobody needs to make a needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Right. But a chunk of the floor falls out. Yep. Now you know what the consequence is. Now we move on. Now we move on. Right. It is approximately one fifth of the floor. Right. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So we can fail five times before we're all dead. Yep. <laughs> um, the next kind of moves to time based. And this is a way to uh, add tension, um, and it is highly recommended by at least myself and in our discussion was that anytime you're creating a, a time-based event, something where time is ticking down, for instance, um, you're trapped in a room, there's a time ticking down, you're trying to disarm a bomb, or someone will arrive in a certain amount of time uh, and affect you, you know, the, the bad guys will show up or whatever creating that tension in game is what you want your players will need a break if they can't handle the tension Mm -hmm. so if you're going to create a time-based tension make sure that the time and the intervals in it are known in game so that your players know they can break and step away from it and just take a time Mm -hmm. um and take a breather before it uh or, or during it and just manage themselves because that is a stress now you're adding that level of stress would you would you say that um you you and i are both fans of uh z bashaw and the animated spell book on mm-hmm. youtube yeah yeah yeah. um if, if you haven't uh if you haven't seen animated spell book give it a look up give it a look um it's a uh, z bashaw is the uh, uh the name of the channel yeah does a great um, job amazing stuff great great uh dungeons and dragons content there yeah. but he tells the story of a puzzle that he put in one of his dungeons mm-hmm. um where you press a button and a countdown of glowing numbers appears yes would you consider that one the time a time-based puzzle without a doubt okay without a doubt uh, a time element is involved the players have to do something or not within a certain amount of time mm-hmm and that creating to a degree your fire trap My is fire a time trap was. is a time based it's really event based yeah. is the truth behind that and that's what you need to keep in mind is that the events may be rounds mm-hmm. they may be several rounds like for instance the first two rounds this happens the next two rounds after that this happens yes um you know or 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 failures, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you want to keep in mind, is any you, you don't want to create too much tension, mm-hmm. but you want to create an appropriate amount of tension that leads to a climax. Right, 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 right. And make the climax meaningful. Mm-hmm. And make the climax not just death. Like, yeah. Death is great for those who see it, or experience it, and can go on. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
nobody if the whole party wipes like what was the point right now right. you're a bunch of bodies in a space well that, that's also why why like i, I wrote my fire trap the way that i did mm-hmm. um it was a it was a room with a 10 foot circle in the middle that was a giant pressure plate mm-hmm. and when you stepped on the pressure plate the doors closed and the a ring of fire lit on around the outside of the room mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a roaring inferno it was just like a little you know flickering campfire it's just this little thing it did 1d6 damage mm-hmm. but there were four switches on the walls mm-hmm. and each one had like an animal symbol on them i don't even remember yeah they were literally red herrings yeah um the solution to the puzzle was literally to step on the trap and do nothing just wait it out just wait it out um but the the, the center was the only um safe sp- safe place in the uh uh in the room mm-hmm. because what would happen every turn was the fire would close in and for every switch that you flipped it would do 1d6 more damage mm-hmm um, and so if you went out there and you started fiddling the switches, you'd have to be in the fire to do that. You'd be increasing the amount of damage the fire does as you're desperately burning to death, trying to flip these switches to find the right combination when the solution is literally stand in the safe space in the middle, take no damage and, wait. and just wait for the door to open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. Simple. Um, the guardian. Oh, this is one of my... One of my two favorites on this list. Yeah, and I think, keep in mind, Guardian is different than uh-huh. a different one that we've got in here, which is Puzzle Monster. Yes. So That's let's, my other favorite one. So let's let's start with the Guardian. All right, so um, riddles have multiple answers. Mm-hmm. Fights can be a solution. Yep. Um, so this is where, like, you throw a Sphinx in there or something. Um, so Never Ending Story yeah. is a good example of that. Uh, the Doors in Labyrinth is a oh, yeah, is, the, is with, a guardian with the, with the big mechanical monster that Well comes even out before the door. that the the one that could hear and the one that could uh the one that couldn't Yeah that, I it, think the guardian more is more like you've got a person to fight they weren't fighting the door knockers though True but again they could have but instead it was a conversational piece mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think there was still a matter, matter of struggle and conflict right right and a riddle to solve within it and it was blocking the way. You couldn't get past. So the, the, the Guardian is more like if you've got, um, you know, someone who, who stands there and says, who goes, answer me my riddles three or something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you've got someone who directly represents the solution to that puzzle and the consequences of failure for that puzzle. Um, you may talk your way through it. You may con your way through it. You may riddle your way through it. Or you may just kill the Guardian. Yeah. But one way or another, there's your puzzle, you know? Yep. yep. Um, which is then followed up by the unstoppable monster. Oh, and I love this one so much. Uh, because you've got someone who is literally going to have to tank it or taunt it in a direction. Well, let's, let's ob- define what it is. It is something that can't just be defeated mm-hmm. in some way. It is, it's its own riddle to a degree. Yes. So uh, this would be like if you've got a puzzle door that mm-hmm. needs to be opened, mm-hmm. but the chamber locks you in, and then a gigantic monster comes out, and that monster is impervious until the riddle is solved. Right. Until whether the puzzle it is, is the riddle or whether the room is involved in the riddle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but one way or another, and the reason, the big reason I love this is because this... We talked about blending your encounters between combat and um, uh, and puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this one represents a really great blend of the two. So typically the people who are going to be doing your, your, your puzzle solving are going to be your people who are statted into whatever game you're playing's uh, uh, stat for intelligence is. Okay? So like your wizards, your clerics, things like that are typically going to be the ones hashing out the solution to the puzzle well the fighters uh and possibly the rogues who have a dump stat and in intelligence uh but they have a lot of strength a lot of constitution a lot of dexterity are going to be kind of sitting around going well i don't know crap about you know this dungeon or the lore behind it or anything like that the mummy the mummy. a good example of the that. mummy is a great example of this um where uh if you've seen the mummy there's, there's the one of the scenes at the end they're fighting the the the, the titular mun, uh, mummy but he has a bunch of undead soldiers with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brendan Fraser, who's kind of the meat shield in the, in the, in the group, is mm-hmm. fighting off these waves of undead. Mm-hmm. While the two librarians are up there trying to read hieroglyphics enough to solve the um, 
control. Uh, control, yeah, they're, they're, they're to read the an incantation, essentially, mm-hmm. that controls these undead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you've got is a bunch of, you know, uh, the, the intellect trying to solve this while the combat encounter is going on. Right. And those undead aren't going anywhere. Mm-mm. Like, they're not stopping until you solve the puzzle. Right. They and, might get disabled, they might be delayed slightly, mm-hmm. but... That's about it. And so you've got tension on both sides there, mm-hmm. where the, 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 the warriors of the group know that they're not going to be able to stop fighting until that puzzle's solved. And then you've got the other side who's trying to solve the puzzle, watching their friend get their butt kicked. Yeah. And hoping that, and knowing that they're next if they fall, you know. Right. So they've got to solve it quick. Right, right. And I think that's a great encounter. It's a great way of doing an encounter. And A Mummy is a brilliant movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um. The puzzle monster, and now this is where the puzzle is the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I the 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 few that we have seen about this, and we read it through, where like maybe the the monster itself has the key, you know, and you have to thwart it. I think the scorpion was a good example of this uh, that you read about, where the the key hung on the neck of the monster itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the only way to get it is is to defeat it. Now that doesn't mean kill it. But maybe you've got to you you've got to you know lull it to sleep or or sneak and steal or do something. In most cases right. you're going to have to defeat it. Right. Uh, but there are other options available. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, to have it be the puzzle, you also need to make sure that the players can see that it is the puzzle. Right. Because rule number one is make your puzzles obvious. Right. You know? And and sometimes it's not always that easy. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But also the solution should be. In the obviousness of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, have it be a giant ice, you know, uh, ice elemental where floating in the center of it is a key. Yep. And you can see the key mm-hmm. clearly through the crystal clear ice in its chest. You know. And behind the door, you see a, a frame of icicles around a big lock. Mm-hmm. You know you need that key <laughs> for that lock. Yep, exactly. It's, it's just as easy as that, you know. yep. yep. Uh, and the, the final one is the one that you kind of want to take your time for, and that is a multi-part puzzle, one where the pieces come together slowly, um, or are scattered all over your dungeon or campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, so the players may not see it as a puzzle until the pieces come together. Some, uh, a lot of times, uh, in seventh C pieces of a map create that yeah yeah and and unlock a puzzle or unlock what is next and then that's a form of puzzle you know um we were doing that in your 7c game there's multiple multiple people had multiple pieces of a map and we kind of had to go and collect them all yeah yeah and they also had had them for their various reasons Mm -hmm. um you know in some cases got them in hopes to get yours Mm -hmm. um but that's that's a form of multi-part puzzle yeah you know you have to have all the pieces to know where you're going uh, I did a multi-part puzzle in, in one of my games, uh, one of the two campaigns I've ever finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I threw in a, um, there was a, a I have a, a collection of riddle books, is the one I mentioned at the, yes. early, at the beginning of the podcast that I forgot to bring over. Um, and they had something in there called the Perilous Potion. Mm-hmm. And it was a selection of, what was it, 14 poems? Yes. I want to say it was 14 poems. The very first one is a recipe essentially, for brewing it. But it makes these weird references to other poems or other riddles in this uh, uh, in this series of, 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 of riddles. And we, so you need to solve each one. Each mm-hmm. one is an ingredient. Yes. So when it says things like tongueless one, well, that refers to the riddle that says, you know, I have no tongue yet I babble. Right. And it's referring to a brook or a stream. Right. So it's like, oh, hey. Yep. So once you figure out all the ingredients, you know that you need spring water right. as one of the ingredients. You need right. a candle or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. else. And it, it it gives you the entire thing. Um, and then when you brew this potion, uh, it gives a tangible benefit to the uh, to the, the person who drinks it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it give them a permanent, uh, a permanent uh, uh, like, basically spell effect. Right. So it was like dark vision or, like, limited flight speed or regeneration or something like that. You know, I had it kind of be different for each one, and it was um, randomly rolled off of uh, one of the ingredients. Um, but what worked out really well for me with this was uh, that I, I gave them the, the puzzle book. And I just, it was just a thing that they found. 
Um, it wasn't part of the plot. It wasn't part of, you know, there, there was no pressure on them to solve it in any given time. It was just something that sat in their inventory. And so what I found the group doing was when they when they initially got the book, they sat down and they tried to solve as many as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. But obviously there were there were a handful that they couldn't figure out right, right there and there. Um, so they just kind of put it in their in their backpack. And waited. And then over the next couple of game sessions, they're like, okay, well, we got some downtime. Let's set up camp for the night. Hey, let's pull out that riddle book again. And let's see if we can, you know, with fresh minds, figure out what's going on there. And they'd solve one or two more. Mm-hmm. And then again, it would get put away for a couple of sessions, three sessions later. And then they finally got all of them. And then they were like, are we going to, are we going to brew this? Are we going to do this? You know? Mm-hmm. And it was just there for them to discover and pull over. And I, they were so happy when, when they, they finally it. solved it all. And when they saw that the potion worked and how the potion worked and they were, they lined up basically to brew it all one night, you know? And, and that's wonderful, mm-hmm. but you can't, necessarily open with that with every player group well you can't open with it there's not something you open with but what i'm sorry as far as riddling and and, mm-hmm. and puzzles and that's mm-hmm. kind of where i'm coming at with this is that there are puzzles can be rewarding but your players have to know where the rewards sit for instance if you open with a very challenging stressful puzzle mm-hmm. and you find out your players hated it there's you don't don't go back to it don't go back and don't right. keep coming into that right. no different than if your players were in a challenging combat and they were like eh, i didn't like any of this mm-hmm. you're not going to keep throwing them into those situations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so start light see if your players like riddles don't necessarily ask them i think uh i think putting puzzles and riddles into games um isn't one of those things to preset I think it is something that you ease into, uh, much like a a good joke, um, is that you put it out there to see how they react to it, and then pull it out if it didn't react well. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, try a little bit more. But again, put it in like a good spice. Not too much. Good to add flavor. Add it when it when it's appreciated. Yeah, I think I think spice is a great analogy because you, you too many puzzles and you can quickly overpower and make things not fun. Exactly. Um, and for those of of you who don't deal with spice very well, heat. <laughs> <laughs> some some people love heat. Some people don't love heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's it's just a ma- balancing act when you're doing that. So I yeah. I always say if you're if you're interested in doing puzzles, go find some online. There are plenty out there. Start light. Start mm-hmm. with something simple. Incorporate it into an existing thing as a bonus. Yeah, as a, as a bonus. And I think that's the key thing is don't don't obstruct the group behind a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even though I kind of did in my game, but it was a side quest. It, but it was a side quest, though. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, your your main quest was not uh, was not dependent. And upon we it. could have easily walked away from it and came back to it. Yes. If yes. it was frustrating to us, we could have. Nothing would have changed had you come back later. Yes, yep. correct. Um. So. so that's, yeah, that's, that's, I think the the main takeaway is there's a lot of different ways of doing puzzles, make them, make them interesting, but make them side quests at first, at least, uh, try not to obstruct things behind puzzles and make your answers obvious, like yes. kindergartner obvious. Yes. Start easy. Mm-hmm. Now, the last part of our discussion. Oh, the debate. Is the debate. And it's the a long debate. thing. Um. I don't know if it's that long. Well, we're going to find out here. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on our time because I may, I may do something to keep, allow, allow us to keep rolling on this. But it is the concept of intelligence and in the character, intelligence and wits of your character versus the player. So you've got a riddle mm-hmm. from a sphinx. What if I, as a player, am not very good at riddles? Or I don't understand it because I'm American and this riddle is Scottish. Yeah. Or, or you know, Islamic or Japanese. So I don't even understand the culture that sits, you know, within it. Mm -hmm. Why do I suffer because my character is a wizard with a high intelligence and maybe a high wisdom? Mm-hmm. Or I can beef up that with spells. Why am I suffering at this? Yeah. that That's the real question. Should I suffer? 
in I, I think the 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 obvious argument here um, is kind of the same thing that comes down to like social skills and stuff like that. Um, I completely agree. Is uh, like if if any of you have had a bard in your group who has said, "Look, I, I'm not that eloquent of a speaker. No, I'm playing a character with an 18 charisma because my character is an eloquent speaker, and I've got dice to make him eloquent." Also, I'm going to straight up say it. The players don't often say that. Mm-hmm. If I'm not eloquent, I'm not going to say anything that I'm not eloquent. Yeah. In most cases, or I'm not that intelligent. No one's going to come out and say, I don't know anything about riddles, but my character should. Right. Like, unless they're an emboldened person. And that's not common. But, like, we don't, we don't, you know, go to the warrior and say, okay, you're going to make a strength check and then hand him a 50-pound dumbbell and say, lift that. Right. You know, it's it's not that's never dependent upon. No, give me uh, your upon, angle of attack, right? You know, what kata are you going to use? That's that's never dependent upon player upon player skill. You know, no. so why do we make social encounters dependent on player skill? And conversely, why do we make puzzles dependent upon player intellect? Yeah, intellect and wits. You know, you know, I I think there is an element of that for group meta, mm-hmm. and there's some fun things that you can put there, but. It should never be purely dependent on that, right? I right. mean, that's as that's as dumb as saying, "Okay, guys, you have to complete the." And I'm I'm saying dumb in a in a, a foolish way. It's foolish to, to say, "Hey, guys, okay, there's a puzzle that you have to beat here, uh, you know, or or, or, or or a special lock you have to beat, and then literally set out three bar puzzles in the middle of the table and say, once you complete those, you can get through the door." Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds cute on the surface, but like. Nobody at the table, maybe one player at the table knows how to do that in a meta sense, and that could be fun. Yeah. Um, but that's escape room kind of stuff. That's yeah. uh, And that's not fun for everyone. And it's definitely not fun for the character whose character can do things, but the player can't. Now, the, the unfortunate part, though, is that, um, you know, rule number three is do not make your puzzles dependent upon roles. Not so dependent. where do you find the middle ground of being dependent upon the roles? but offering them as an option to soften the blow and put more of the more of the solving power on the character's stats rather than the player's inherent ability. I th- I think when sh- once you start moving away from the obvious physical style things mm-hmm. and you start moving into more wits and logic, you have to give them leeway. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think my solution, if I had to offer some advice, and luckily I have a microphone and a podcast to do so, so you will listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um, would be uh, when you're when you're creating your puzzle, um, I would set aside like three, four, five solid hints mm-hmm. at the solution. Yes, and I mean up to and including practically giving them the answer like really trivializing the puzzle because honestly if someone walks into a puzzle room with 20 intelligence and a lore skill of you know of of plus 12 or something like that and they say oh this 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 riddle is about you know the the ancient draconian people well i happen to have oodles and oodles of lore of studying all the draconian people i roll the lore check and it's a 32 what do i know well, with a 32, you know that this is a child's riddle mm-hmm. and it, you know, blah, 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 blah. You lay it out for them and they go, so the solution is orange? Yeah. Yeah. Or my other favorite would be, I know all this lore. Great. Uh, Tamok the Great created this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also didn't like riddles at all and it pissed him off a lot. You know that the, uh, that, that, uh, uh, candelabra over there is actually a trip switch <laughs> to get around the whole puzzle oh mm-hmm. excellent <laughs> you know or or you have he valued their... straightforward solutions yeah. your friends are overthinking this <laughs> yeah or or your fighter just halfway through like 20 minutes in gets frustrated wanders over and just grabs the idol okay what happens how do you move forward you know and that's where like can brute force be a solution? Sure it can. Be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, if it's been any more time that – and I'm not saying physical time. If your players are enjoying an hour worth of trying to figure something out and it's part of the game, do it. But the moment that you start seeing frustration, anguish, and uh, and despair, and exhaustion, mm-hmm. back it off. Yeah. Or, or Lego solution it. Yep. 
They, they've tried hard enough. Yep. Whatever they just tried was a solution. Good. Let's yep. move on. Yep. Have one of the players lean on the wall and trip something, mm-hmm. you know, that does something else and, put, and puts them around some other way. Put some dramatic flair on it, mm-hmm. you know, narrate it in a way that, you know, is gratifying for whatever player you want to solve it or, or has put in the most work to solve it. Mm-hmm. And and just, just move on. Just yep. move on. It's not worth stalling your game for. Not at all. Not at all. You can always come back and, and try something different. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a couple questions from Knox, but I think we answered some of them through the story. I think we answered some. Of them. We can we can we can retouch on them just because sure. uh, uh, they were they were important enough for him to ask. So I think we can yeah. should background. So straight up, should die rolls stay out of puzzles to eliminate the chance of players getting stuck just because they lost the roll lottery? I my answer to that is there are always consequences, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't be they shouldn't be failures. Yeah. Um, can these just roll, can they just roll for clues? I don't see a problem with that under the right circumstances. I think under the right circumstances, yes, you absolutely should allow them to roll for clues. Yes. And I think, uh, clue systems should always be, you have the clues ready. You have the answers ready. So it's a matter of, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to search on this lore, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it's somewhere near the ballpark, give them an answer. Yeah. And I, I would even say like okay so so going back to the Goonies puzzle mm-hmm. uh, with the with the with the pipe organ yes. and, the, and the collapsing floor, um, like if a player said okay hold on a second I want to do a lore check of some some sort a history check uh, to uh, see if I know this piece of music or something like that sure or who made who wrote this piece of music sure okay sure give me a lore check if that's sufficiently high enough um, maybe drop the difficulty on the performance check. Yeah, because you know that this person wrote typically in the key of a a flat minor. Yep, you know, and, and everything like, oh, should start out on this note. Oh yeah, this guy always wrote this stuff on a flat minor, and this piece is in a flat minor, so I would never hit this note, this note, or this note. Right, it just doesn't show up in that key signature. Right, you know, um, so yeah, drop your performance checks from DC fifteen, DC twelve. Yep, exactly. You know, um. What are some ways to keep your party from spending forever stuck on a puzzle that they won't admit defeat? Because oh. you never admit – don't let it happen defeat. Don't let defeat happen. Yeah, yeah. Let consequence happen, but not defeat. Yeah, I don't think – I don't. I think if – Was was Indiana Jones ever defeated? Well, no, but he's the protagonist of the story. That's, that's... Your players are the protagonists of your story. I don't, cheer for them. I don't know that that's a that, that, that's a fair comparison, but uh, because Indy was scripted to never fail, whereas we have a variance of of outcome in our game. Fail forward, but uh, create consequence. That's my take. But yeah, I, I think I think the idea is not to uh, let them ever get stuck. Yeah, get get them I, before then. I don't think the operative word here is defeat. I think the operative word is stuck. Yes, uh, because I think your puzzles should be optional. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should ever really lock off content behind a behind a puzzle. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on the defeat part too. Like, give them give them partial victories. Yeah, let let them figure other solutions. Let them look for other solutions. Let them come through things, and then let those be acceptable to move through. Yeah, yeah. If 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 honestly, yeah, they're they're getting stuck forever on it, then just give it to them. Yep. Just and move on. And move on. Um, well, I hope that was good for today. And if you've got more questions about puzzles, please let us know uh, in the questions, and we will keep going with these. Um, next week, we're going to actually take a mini series break and talk about game holidays and lightening up the scenery. Yeah, and we're getting some of the we're stuff we've close done. To Thanksgiving, so yeah. we figured we'd do a holiday themed uh, holiday themed. Yeah, look thing. for some themed music, maybe if I can get my uh, self together and <laughs> uh, create something there. But uh, most of all. Have a really safe Thanksgiving. Um, take your time. Give thanks to your storyteller. Like, yeah. let them know ahead of next week that you're thankful for them building and spending the time. It takes a lot to create games. No, and I, I think it's. I, I'm thankful that you're my storyteller. Oh, thank you, and I'm thankful for you that you're mine. Excellent. I'm, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the efforts that all of us put in for our games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. with that, I will say you may find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, at Instagram at st underscore conclave, on MixLR uh, at uh, mixlr slash storyteller dash conclave, which is where some of you are hearing us live right now. 
Yep, you can uh, listen to us live every Wednesday at yep. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And then our Discord you will find in our Twitter um, or on our website at storytellerconclave.com. And we have a big uh, shout out to our Patreon members as always. Thank you so much, uh, Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion, and everybody else who contributes month after month to uh, helping us keep the show going. We really appreciate uh, your support. Very much so. Our pre-show music was by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. We'd like to thank our families, Vicky, Sean. Thank you for helping us on every one of these shows and keeping us going for all of our stuff. All of our friends who play with us, who have told stories with us, who give us as much encouragement as anything else. And you, our listeners. We love you. We love you. Good night. Good night.